So we're going to, in a moment or two, we're going to be uh, working through, uh, we're working through a series called Devoted, which we're, we're working through the book of Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter 2. We're looking at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, and we're picking out some themes from that which are key to the life of the early church. What were they devoted to? Why were they devoted to it? And why is it relevant to us today? Why should we want to be a church like that? And we're going to, a moment or two, we're going to read some verses. Uh, we're going to read Acts 2, 42, and we're going to read some verses from Acts chapter 4. So uh, if you want to turn to your Bible, you can. The words are going to come up on a screen behind me. Um, the PA guys normally have uh, a, a, a set of slides that I'm going to show. I haven't got, given them today because they're actually sitting here in front of me and I've forgotten to do it. So I'm actually going to go and do that now. Pass that to Ange and they will get those and hopefully this will all go like clockwork. So we're going to read from Acts chapter 2 verse 42 and then I'm going to read some verses from Acts chapter 4. This is what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. From Acts chapter 4. The the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John and because it was evening they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed and the number of men grew to about 5,000. Peter and John have proclaimed about Jesus, proclaimed that Jesus is alive. They've just seen a miraculous healing of a guy by the gate beautiful. And uh, the religious leaders of the day, they arrest them, they put them in prison. And um, this is what happens when they release them the next day. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people, that's the church, and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, They raised their voices together in prayer to God. The early church prayed. They believed in prayer. And this morning we're going to consider why they were devoted to prayer. At the moment we've been having some work done in our house And uh, as many of you will know, I'm really good at uh, DIY, that sort of stuff. And um, a couple of weeks ago, um, we've had an electrician in doing some electrical work for us. Uh, It's a guy that I've known for many years. Um, uh, He's Irish. Um, He's a really nice bloke. But I actually do have difficulty understanding his accent, particularly when he's on the phone. And um, Peter had been uh, coming and doing some electrical work, and I said, Peter, we've got a problem. I said, in our lounge and our dining room, we've got this, these lights, and there are three lights on, 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 on each one. So there are three lights in the lounge, three lights uh, in the dining room, and on both of them, some of the lights are not working. I said, I, I think it's the electrics. Can you take them down? Have a look at them. It may be just that they're old, and uh, it may be just that um, uh, you know the, the person who put, fitted them didn't do it properly. Uh, maybe they just need replacing. But can you see if you can sort it? That would be great. Pete said, fine. 
So um, uh, I went upstairs and I came down about probably about 40 minutes later. And I walked in and um, both lights were working. I thought, this is amazing because I was, I was sort of expecting to have to replace them. And so I said to Peter, I said, Peter, what was, what was the problem? And he said, uh, in a really broad Irish accent, which I'll try and do, he said, well, well Steve, it's, uh, it's like this. He said, sir, uh, he said, the bulbs, you've got to turn them in a little bit more. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. Annette looks, gives me that look across the room, which is, it's a look which conveys, you idiot. <laughs> you idiot. For five years, we have been in the house. Five years. And those lights have not worked. I've had, to, I've had to move where I'm sitting in the lounge because I can't see and I can't read. We've bought freestanding lights. I've, had, I've gone through the motions of switching the lights on, but they've not had the impact that they should have had. Was it the fault of the person who fitted the lights? Unfortunately not. Was the problem the power supply? No. Was it that the light bulbs didn't work? None of those things. It was me. I was happy to put up with something that didn't work properly. How many of us find prayer a little bit like that? To be honest, it's not that it doesn't work, but the results are just a bit disappointing. Perhaps secretly you've put it down to the person behind it all, God. Maybe you just think, perhaps prayer was always just intended to work intermittently. You pray, but you don't really expect a great deal. You're like me, sitting in the lounge and it's all a bit dim and that's not really satisfactory. There are a few answers to prayer. Maybe you get a few answers to prayer, but it's not really enough to shout about. If that's you, and you have been disappointed with prayer, God wants to speak to you this morning. We've read about the early church being devoted to prayer. They really prayed. Someone once said, the early church didn't have a prayer meeting. The early church was the prayer meeting. Prayer is mentioned overtly 33 times in the book of Acts. Even before the day of Pentecost, these people were immersed in prayer. Martin Lloyd-Jones summed it up when he said this, True Christians pray. The early church prayed corporately. They came together to pray. Shouldn't be surprising as wherever there was a Jewish community... There was a place of prayer. We read about that in the book of Acts, in Acts 16. In Jerusalem, that would have been the temple. Jesus encouraged his disciples to pray on their own. He told them to go into their closet, into their private place and solitary place and seek God on their own. But he also taught them to church, as, a, as a people, as a group of people, to pray together. Praying together was a key to church life. 
They prayed together corporately. They prayed together constantly, we're told, in Acts uh, chapter 1, verse 14. They set aside specific times for prayer. It was a priority that their leaders prayed. There were times when prayer was more formal, and it appears uh, that they would have joined in with the, the temple prayers, set times But it's also absolutely clear that they prayed when they were together from house to house. They prayed freely. They uh, they prayed without any liturgy, although they would have had liturgy when they prayed. They prayed constantly. But they also prayed conscientiously. Prayer was the serious business of the early church. Sometimes it involved fasting. uh, That's going without food. When they were making key decisions... When they're saying to God, we are hungry for you. We're hungry for you to break through. And so we're going to do without food because we want you to know, God, we're serious about this. We really need you to intervene in this situation. They prayed conscientiously. They prayed about everything. They prayed for the sick. They prayed for believers in prison. They prayed when they were facing hardship or disaster. Most of us who are in the church would agree that that is what the church should be like. Sadly, for many of us, we've been disappointed and our busy lives result in us praying less and less. We say things like, if only I had more time, I would pray a bit more. Unfortunately, we're deluding ourselves. People say to me, Steve, if I had the time that you had to pray, oh, that would be fantastic. I'd love to be able to do that. I want to say to you, If you don't pray now, you would never do it. You would never do it. Ian Bounds once said this, The low value we put on prayer is evidence from the little time we give to it. Listen to that again. The low value or the little estimate we put on prayer is evidence from the little time we give to it. We give little time to prayer because... We don't value it as it should be valued. And I want to stir us this morning to be people passionate about prayer. People who love praying. People who love seeking God together and on their own. And there are three simple things I want you to allow to sink into your spirit this morning. And the first is this. Prayer demonstrates humility. Genuine humility drives us to pray because we recognize our desperate need of help from God. Most Sundays when I'm preparing to come and preach, I read through my notes. And there, are, there, there probably doesn't go a Sunday I don't do that when I'm thinking... God, if you don't show up this morning, this is going to be desperate. Because I read through it, I think there is no life in this. God, please come read. And I cry out to God, God, please come and help me this morning because I cannot do this. You need to speak, God, to your people today. I can't do it. I don't have any clever ideas that are going to revolutionize the church. It's God's church. It's God who caused the church to grow. It's God's, you're God's people. I have the privilege of leading the church here, but you are God's people. It's God's church. 
Joe's testimony this morning was that they were in circumstances that they couldn't get out of. There was no way out. We talked about it. Jez and Joe and I and Annette talked about it. They talked with numbers of people and prayed with many people. But we talked about it. I know how bleak those circumstances were. They needed God to break through. Their desperate need caused them and drove them to seek God. And they prayed. Many of you are here this morning and you are in desperate need. I know some of you are in desperate circumstances. You need to know that there's a place to go. You need to know that there's a Father in heaven who wants to answer your prayers. You need to know there's one who can make a difference. And it isn't the bank manager. And isn't the social worker. It isn't the head teacher. It's God. You see, our great motivation for prayer is recognizing how much we need God in both the good times and the bad. You see, it's... Sometimes it's easier to cry out to God when things are not going very well, when there's lots of pressure, when circumstances seem to be against us. But what happens is when things are going well, sometimes we forget God. We think, some, we foolishly think we've managed to achieve things by our own strength. And we stop praying. Prayer becomes less important because we're doing well. It says this, The Bible gives us a salutary warning in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Listen to this. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. You see, evidence of our pride is in how little we pray. Let me give you a gentle nudge this morning. What's your prayer life like? Has it dwindled over the months and years? By the way, I don't want you to turn this into a guilt trip. It's not meant to be that. But do ask yourself a question. How dependent on God am I really? Do I depend on God every moment of every day? I don't think there's anyone here who can say that. I don't think any of us can say that we are dependent on God like that. But every day, are you getting up in the morning and are you saying, God, help me today, I need you to be with me? Simple prayer like that. Are you putting your day in God's hands because you know if he doesn't show up, you potentially are in trouble? You see, the early disciples would have remembered Jesus telling them a parable about a Pharisee and a tax collector. In Luke chapter 18, you can read the story, verses 9 to 14. These two guys, Jesus says, go into the temple to pray. And the Pharisee prays, and it sounds an outstanding prayer. He prays about himself. He was full of thankfulness. It sounded really spiritual. 
And if you'd listen to the prayer, he was clearly generous, he was pious, and he was clean living. And yet God was unimpressed and paid no attention to what he said. His prayer is completely me-centric. He is lacking in any self-awareness. It is all about him, his ability, and all that he's done. He is hugely dismissive of the tax collector. How easy it is to be like that. For our prayers to be so me-centric about us and me and what I'm doing and God do this for me. Sometimes our prayers are are full of pride. God's challenge to us is he doesn't want us to be like, how often are we like that tax collector? We pray prayers and inside we dismiss and judge and write off other people. And if you're not challenged by that like I am, then I don't believe you. I don't believe that you've heard what I've said because we are all like that. We all have the potential to be like that. When you read about this tax collector, Jesus says this tax collector barely is able, he's not even able to lift his head up. He's fully aware of what he's like. He's fully aware of what a mess his life is in. He simply cries out for mercy. And Jesus says, God loves answering those sorts of prayers. God wants us to be a people who recognize who we are, understand ourselves, and cry out to him for mercy. We're not convincing him of anything by the eloquence of our prayers. God isn't marking our prayers out of ten and saying, oh, nine out of ten. Gabriel, you can take something off. Go go and bless him. And so four-fifths of what he's prayed for because his prayer was so good. That it isn't like that at all. God is looking for heartfelt cries of people who know they need God, know that they're desperate for God to break up, break in for them. Why don't we pray? We think too much of ourselves and we think too little of God. We make the mistake of believing our own press and are less conscious of our need for God. Prayer is an acid test of the genuine faith. We need mercy, we need grace. Jesus clearly said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Humility is the essence of Christianity. If you need God, pray. The second thing is, prayer demonstrates relationship. Now, yesterday I was doing a Foundations Day, and um, there was a bit of a moment at the beginning of the day. And um, I came in about half eight, and uh, I've done Foundations Days uh, many times. Many of you will have been on those days. And uh, I came in, went to room four at the back, went in, uh, it's all set up. I've got to plug the, my laptop in, get my laptop, and um, I've got the connector, plugged it into my computer, and I can't find anywhere any socket that fits the connection. So I'm starting to panic. What am I going to do? Um, I, I, I can't push it in any, any, any of the holes. It won't work. So I do what I do in any moment like that. I phone up Mark Freeman. 
And so I phone up Mark Freeman, and um, so uh, the story unfolds like this. I phone him up, and uh, Heidi answers the phone, and he's in bed. And I said, oh, is there, I'm really sorry, is there any chance I can speak to him? She said, yeah, I'll go and, go and get him for you now. So she wakes him up. Uh, so, okay, so you've got you've to feel even sorry for him in a minute. Um, so she phones me, I say, Mark, and he's, oh, yes. I said, Mark, I've really got a problem. Don't, can't get this to work. Can't get my laptop. It's going to be, going to be a panic, 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 panic. And he goes, um, well, have you tried plugging it in? I said, yeah, I can't find it. He said, have you got the HD something or other lead? And I'm going, I have no idea what you're talking about inside. I'm thinking, no idea, blah, 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 lead. And uh, he said, it's in the back of the... I said, all right, okay, so I get this lead. It's in the back of the TV. Take it out, and I find a hole that it fits. And the computer... I said, oh, I've put it in. That's not doing anything. It's not working. And I said, oh, it's all right. I'll I'll come down. I said, oh, no. And and then I find out that uh, he was here clearing up after Friday night till about ten past one in the morning and I've woken him up and he says I'll come down and sort it so he comes down to the NBC comes into the back and he goes I guess not working Mark and he just literally walks up to it and he goes yeah he said Steve the connection that you've uh, got in the computer you've got going into the video not the TV he just went like that plugged it in and it worked I'm like <laughs> one of those moments now why and he walked away and he was incredibly gracious he might have grumbled when he got outside and said something about me which to be honest Mark don't blame me for alright the issue is he was prepared to do it why because I'm an ogre because I was going to shout at him down the phone he did it out of relationship And he's prepared to do it for me out of relationship. And he's prepared to put up with knowing that I'm an absolute idiot when it comes to A, DIY, B, anything electrical. He puts up with it because because of relationship. Prayer is like that. Prayer is based on relationship. God doesn't do things for us because we convince him. It's relationship. It's all about relationship. Prayer is evidence of our relationship with God. We pray to a person. We don't pray to a force. We pray to God. We pray to God. All this presupposes that God wants us to pray to him, that he's interested in our praying. You know, I've I've worked in places where when someone was on the phone, it was going to be a long phone call. I've seen people literally on the phone, put down the phone, walk across the office, make a cup of coffee, come back, pick up the phone and go, yeah, 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 and walk away and do that. Totally disinterested, not listening to what's happening. I've seen people rolling their eyes, making faces, typing on the computer, not listening to what's happening. God is not like that. God is not disinterested in your prayers. You may think that God doesn't hear your prayers. God is listening attentively to what you pray because he loves you. The Psalms tell us that God hears. Psalm 4 verse 1, God hears us. Psalm 6 verse 9, he accepts our prayers. God is pleased when we pray to him. Proverbs 15 verse 8 says, the prayer of the upright pleases him. 
David in Psalm 141 verses 1 and 2 says this, Oh Lord, I call to you, come quickly to me, hear my voice when I call to you, may my prayer be set before you like incense. There's something about our prayers that rise up that is a pleasing aroma to God. God loves it when we pray to him. Why? Because he loves us. Because he loves us. There's an old hymn. It's called A Sovereign Protector I I Have. And the second verse starts like this. And it's a, a hymn to God. It says, Inspirer and hearer of prayer, thou shepherd and guardian of thine. God inspires prayer. God hears prayer because he's a shepherd, because he loves us, because he cares for us. You see, prayer involves us drawing near to God. God wants us to draw near to him. In the Old Testament, Job cries out, uh, a character in the Old Testament, he cries out, if only I knew where to find you, God. How can we draw near to God? How can we draw near to the one who created the heavens and the earth, the God who is holy and pure? How can we come near to him? We're told in Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4, that only those who have clean hands and a pure heart can stand in the presence of God. Clean hands? Maybe that's possible. Maybe. A pure heart? That's impossible. How can we... Have a pure heart. You know what you think. You know the things that you think about that you think nobody else knows about. Well, God does. God knows what goes on in our hearts and minds. How can we ever stand in the presence of God? If God wants prayer, God wants relationship, how can we come near? The writer of the book of Hebrews gives us the answer. He says this, so friends, we can, come, we can now, without hesitation, walk right up to God into the holy place. Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of his sacrifice, acting as a priest before God. The curtain into God's presence is his body. So let's do it, full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. We've been singing about it this morning. We can come right into the presence of God. We have access into the presence of God. The very presence of God because of Jesus Christ. And so when we come and pray, we, that's why we come and worship. That's why when we have prayer times together, that's why we spend time worshipping and adoring God for what he's done and making it possible that we can draw near. Worship leads to thanksgiving as we think of who God is and what he has done in our lives. We can't help but be stirred to thankfulness. When God breaks through, when God breaks through, it causes, it stirs something in us to say, God, thank you so much. You love me. And you've answered my prayer. Thank you for drawing near to me. Someone once said this, if you want to see how popular the church is, Attend Sunday morning worship. If you want to see how popular God is, attend the prayer meeting. It's good, isn't it? If you want to see how popular the church is, attend Sunday morning worship. If you want to see how popular God is, go to the prayer meeting. You see, prayer is to a loving father. The Pharisees didn't understand that. They thought that God was stern and severe, austere. They didn't understand that God was their father. 
That's the revelation that Jesus brought. God loves us. Amazing. Prayer is to a father who wants the best for us. God is almighty, all-powerful. He created the heavens and the earth, but he is committed to helping his children, those he loves. Are your times of prayer, are they cold, formal, distant? Do you think that God is stern and austere and is angry with you? Do you feel the need to defend yourself before God and, and the need to convince God that he needs to answer your prayer? If, if it's like that, then you need to understand again who you are in Jesus Christ. You are a son and daughter of God. How amazing is that? How amazing is that? Knowing God, listen to this, knowing God is the greatest answer to prayer. Do you get that? Knowing God is the greatest answer to prayer. I can't remember who said that. God sees the big picture. He sees what's best for you. He wants to bless you. And maybe it won't involve what you think you need. I came across this little nugget on Friday. And uh, it's in our staff prayer meeting. And it says this in Luke 15.31. And that, that it's, a, it's the parable. Jesus is telling a story of the prodigal son. The son who runs away and squanders his inheritance. He comes back and the father welcomes him home. 